Hey everyone, I want to start off this episode with an apology actually. Usually I try to bring the best audio quality I can to these episodes, even if I'm not a professional audio engineer. However, this week there was a very annoying malfunction that happened that we were unaware of while recording. Emma's microphone has a very annoying feedback buzz in it every time she speaks. So after the fact, I tried to edit that down as much as possible. You can still hear a little bit of it, and that's why Emma's voice sounds so muffled this week. And trust me, uh, it does sound way better now, even if you can still hear a little bit of it. Once again, I apologize. Uh, Please forgive me, and hopefully everything will be back to normal and should be good next week. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And we're discussing chapter four, Dilemmas, today. I'm going to give you that look right there, huh? I wonder why. Dilemmas? Isn't okay. there, there, ha- there was just another chapter with the word dilemma in it. Because I've already made this joke. Yeah, you did. I think it was in the first book. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just was very recently. Yeah, probably a couple months ago. <laughs> uh, this intro, this beginning, is talking about how uh, it's talking about Fitz's feelings on the wit and skill, and how he believes that there's a little bit of that capability in everybody, um, and you can see it in you know a variety of ways, different ways. And he gives an example of like you know mothers going up to go to their babies before they wake up and maybe start crying or something, or cruising ships all rowing in time without really having to do anything that might be evidence of the skill having that human connection to the mind and then um just people in general having an affinity for certain animals like houses or whatever they might have a crest or a um a coat of arms of an animal and that's just kind of like feeling an affinity for that animal that specific kind of thing I kind of see this, I know Fitz is trying to say this as like, see, everybody has a little bit of magic in them, which is kind of like a nice, warm, feel-good kind of sentiment, Um, but I more so look at it as like, wit and skill are just an amplification of the natural thing that it means to be as a human. Yeah. I mean, if we're relating it to our world, yes. Right. But maybe in their world that proves that everyone has a little bit of something in them uh i mean if you we can see it like that comparison but he doesn't have a frame of reference of a world without (laughs) wit or skill so he sees that as a reflection of oh this is the wit and this is the skill and i believe those are just small manifestations of them because he can't see like in our world like oh sometimes you know mothers will get up and just Mm -hmm. it's perfect some things are perfectly timed and we're in tune with others and you know you could have uh precognition about things or have affinities with animals and as far as we know there's no wit and skill in our (laughs) world right but he doesn't have that comparison so i feel like to him that's just that's that is the magic yeah i guess i mean i don't think you even need to like take away magic from the world i just think in my mind, it just emphasizes how natural both the skill and the wit are. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and that it's just an extension of that nature. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then we find him um, waking up, and um, well, there's another there's another little end of this intro blurb talking about how the wit is reviled and you know just hammering home again like mm -hmm. these are uh, there's tales of like, wit people turning into the beasts that they are bonded with or whatever and it's just tales to discourage children from beast magic. But it's also a little uh, foreshadowing for the future of this book. Right. And it is technically true, so... <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, they don't... I, whatever. It's a technic... I'm gonna say it's technically true <laughs> that wit users can become their wit partner, but it is frowned upon even in the wit community, so... Mm -hmm. Doesn't make it right, but it is technically true. <laughs> so Fitz wakes up, and he is soaked through with sweat and he goes down to eat and tries to go to the bathhouse and he's too weak for that so he gives back up uh, gives that up and goes back to his room passes out again and he feels and he knows later on somebody came in and talked to him and tried shaking him but he just kind of ignored it and went back to sleep because it was much easier to do that than you know wake up and mm -hmm. be healthy because he's incredibly sick right and he's very weak um i mean they just traveled like a month through cold weather <laughs> and he had a very exhausting day of talking yesterday um but we know later this was confirmed to be the fool uh, by Chade later in this chapter and he goes to patience so fitz wakes up again and there's a fire there's you know firewood there's meat and bread and cheese everyone's favorite mm -hmm. meal here um set out on an embroidered cloth with tatted edges so this is Lacey who put out everything here, uh -huh. which that is also, again, confirmed by Chade later. <laughs> um, but as I was reading this chapter, I saw that and I highlighted it. I'm like, oh, this must have been Lacey. And then I read later in the chapter, I'm like, oh, well, we figure that out because it tells us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, just looking for little clues. <laughs> but also wash tub and soap and everything, like new clothes and... Clothes that actually fit? Yeah, <laughs> They, they look like they would fit at least. <laughs> I think later on it says that they're a little bit, it's a little bit big for him, which I'm wondering, like, is this one of Chivalry's old That's shirts? what I was just going to ask. Or if this is just like a, a lay around that Lacey could find. That's fair. It could just be a random one that she found. I don't know. We'll, don't we'll know. never know. <laughs> we'll never know. I don't think it's mentioned again. It's all good of the shirt. <laughs> There's also a, a tea with a hint of elf bark in it. And he suspects Chade, but it it can't be because Chade would be the one who summoned him. Right. Not, like, trying to shake him. Yeah, he wouldn't have left tea in his room yeah, to and chill. It was, it was during the day as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, Which, like, it, it goes to show that elf bark is kind of treated not as this, oh, this is this huge risk-reward kind of drug thing. Like, right painkiller but you get so depressed and stuff it's just kind of commonplace like ibuprofen yeah i was gonna say like or tylenol an, an, that's exactly literally what i wrote down i wrote down uh inflammatory like ibuprofen or tylenol except it makes you super depressed instead of in like, like large better. quantities yeah yeah so i uh, i always kind of had the feeling that it was like oh this is you know a super bad drug mm -hmm. they don't know the effects on the skill but since you know 
using the skill gave Fitz such bad headaches and um, Verity needed a lot of energy and stuff. They just kept feeding them elf bark because it was like, this is like the highest tier powerful drug. But yeah. no, this is like a common <laughs> thing. It's just the, the power and the, the strength of the elf bark you use and how mm-hmm. much you use. It's just black market Tylenol. It's <laughs> a really bad place. Yeah. <laughs> Generic brand. Um, so uh, he kind of freshens up. He eats. He's feeling a bit better. D- drinks the tea and everything. And the fool comes in. Yeah. And he is wearing his black and white motley, but he's grown. And the clothes are even bigger than he remembers. So the fool is taller and skinnier and he looks like a twig and mm-hmm. <laughs> a bunch of you know a bunch of fabric just kind of like sticking up <laughs> yep um smiles at Fitz and Fitz kind of gestures around and assumes that it's him that made all of this happen and yeah. the fool's like no <laughs> no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I assisted and thank you for bathing mm-hmm <laughs> Makes my task of checking on you less onerous. I'm glad you're awake. You snore abominably. So everything, like, good he says, like, I assisted in helping this, but you really smelled, so thanks for bathing. Uh-huh. And I'm glad you're awake, because you snore really badly. It's just, right. like, always offset. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's just his fear of being vulnerable that is the reason that he does this. Um, he can't show any weakness towards anyone, because he doesn't know he can trust Fitz yet. Um, but it is kind of cute, just <laughs> the little, um, difference in Fitz and the Fool and how they interact. Yeah, definitely. And they have a little conversation how, um, you know, Fitz comments that he's grown and Fool comments back like, yeah, you have, you have too, and you've been sick and you slept quite a long time. You no longer smell. You still look terrible. It's late afternoon. Any other obvious facts you'd like to review? (laughs) I miss the pool so much. (laughs) And they have that little conversation, and uh, Fitz brings up that he dreamed about him. Dreamed about the fool. The fool has a dubious look on his face. (laughs) And then says, how touching. I didn't dream of you. Yeah. <laughs> Very cute. Very cute. loving this exchange. And Fitz doesn't go into any explanation of that because the fool kind of, you know, cuts him off. He doesn't mm-hmm. really care. Um, he cares. <laughs> yeah. But uh, outwardly, he does not care. He then says, like, I have to, I actually have to go. I have to go to the king because the king's expecting me. You're going to skip the part where the f- where Fitz says, I missed you? Hmm. That's true. That's my favorite part. I circled it. (laughs) Fitz says, I've missed you. And he enjoyed the brief flash of surprise on the fool's face. And the fool replies, how droll. (laughs) I just thought that was a really funny exchange. I mean, all of these are really funny to me because I love the fool and just his whole attitude. But... I could not let you get away with skipping. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great exchange. Yes. And while we do know that Fitz cares for the fool, I mean, as re-readers, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's good to acknowledge 
those growing points where they do grow closer together. And the fool is kind of realizing that, like, hey, like, he actually does like me. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, um, not just because of how cute this exchange is to me. Um, I think it's interesting how open and honest Fitz is with the fool this whole time. Um, Something good happened to him and he just assumes the fool did it. Then he's just like, wow, you're like, you've gotten taller. He's trying to make conversation. He's excited to see his friend. And I don't think we get this side of Fitz very often. That's just Fitz. It's not new boy version of Fitz. It's not Patience's version of Fitz. It's just Fitz. And it's just kind of nice to read every once in a while to see that he does have somebody who he is just himself with. And maybe it's a camaraderie of um, the fool is also an outcast and not accepted by people. But I don't know. I just think it's really cool. You don't think this is uh, the fool's version of Fitz that Fitz is putting on right now? No, I don't think so. No? I think there's just a lack of thinking about what the fool wants right like that's what i've noticed with this reread is whenever fitz is talking with the fool there's not a whole lot of evaluation of what the fool is going through and maybe that's because he can't feel the fool so it's harder for him Mm, that's true to acknowledge what's going on with the other person but there's just not a whole lot of thinking in depth of what he must be thinking and this is how he must be reacting because a lot of times what we're seeing in between conversations with Fitz and other people is what Fitz assumes is going on in their mind based off of the wit but also what he knows of that person which can be a wrong perspective just because he's human and infallible or not infallible um (laughs) And so, I don't know, I just think this is like a very rare glimpse that just fits. The uh, conversations between the two of them seem to move pretty quickly as well. It's just one line of dialogue after another. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of, like you said, uh, thinking, I guess. But in terms of like actual writing structure, there's not a lot of Fitz's reflections on what they're saying. So I I can agree with that. But uh, yeah, the fool the fool is talking about like, oh, I was just kind of checking. I have to go because um, the king's expecting me. Well, he's not expecting me, which is why I have to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you feel better, you should go and see him, especially if he isn't expecting you. And he abruptly turns and walks away and jingles a, a bell at him from his <laughs> sleeve. <laughs> says, farewell, Fitz. Do not, do not. Oh, man. Do try to do a bit better at not letting people kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but this this little message here, you should go see him, especially if he isn't expecting you, hurts the fool later. Because Fitz realizes he has he didn't he never went to check on the king. And this is when the king is getting progressively worse and worse mm-hmm. in his sickness. Wallace is being, you know, incredibly um backwards about how he is quote treating the king of his sickness (laughs) yeah slash making him sicker Mm -hmm. um and the fool can only like helplessly watch this happen because at this point fitz doesn't have as much affection for the king as he did before he left for obvious reasons 
Right. But this is still the the fool's king. This is still Fitz's king. And the fool's like, I can't really do anything, but maybe my catalyst can stop this, mm-hmm. is what my thought process goes to. It's like, I don't know if you saw anything of, like, if I get Fitz to see him, maybe yeah. something can happen. But uh, I, I don't know. Right. And I also wonder if the fool is kind of overestimating the feelings between Fitz and his grandfather. Um, maybe he thinks if Fitz sees how bad his grandpa is getting, obviously he'll do something to help. Right. Because Fitz likes helping people, but also their family, and they there has to be some bond, because I think the king is great, so Fitz obviously does too. And I think, because, I mean, right now the fool's pretty young, so it would be easy to naively tie two people that are related and seem to have a decent enough relationship together. Um, but obviously that isn't the case. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to tell why he was trying to push Fitz to go that way. Yeah. I think it's just to make something happen. I, I subscribe to the, the, the whole thing of like, Fitz is literally the stone that is un- unaccounted for. So if the fool can get Fitz in that situation, maybe it won't go as the way that the fool sees it going. Right. Yeah. That's a fair point. Um, so he leaves, but then uh, after a little bit, Lacey comes in and says, oh, he's awake. And, you know, reprimands them. And then Patience comes in and like, oh, he is awake. Well, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and they both come in and clean up everything. And Lacey storms out again with like dirty bed sheets and, and dirty like, clothes dirty clothes and and stuff and Fitz is just kind of standing there in a nightshirt feeling embarrassed <laughs> yeah. he does say he was going to clean it up like any child would when their parent comes in their room yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna do that <laughs> but after lacy left already <laughs> right um but this this little moment before all the madness that's about to happen is kind of my favorite patience moment um between patience and fits she tells him or she gestures imperiously at the bed and reluctantly fits goes to the bed and gets in and then he felt more at disadvantage she emphasized it by leaning over and tucking the covers around me she being patience and i just i just think this is so sweet because patience has wanted to be a mom and kind of sees herself as tentatively Fitz's mother. Yeah. And this is an instance where she gets to help her sick child and tuck him in. And also I, reprimand him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think just like the delicate moment of a mother tucking in a sick child probably meant a lot for her. Oh, yeah. Um, just because that's probably something she's always wanted to do. And now she has an excuse. And... I don't know. I just really love that little touching moment of motherly patience. <laughs> and then she abruptly brings up Molly. Yep. And they move on to that conversation. And um, immediately starts blaming Fitz for using his weakness to lure Molly into his room mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, upset her with his accusations. <laughs> and. All those things and say, oh, if you weren't so sick, I'd be super mad at you. But as it is, I'm very disappointed. (laughs) 
Um, and the first couple times I read this, even the first time through this around, because I usually read the chapters twice, um, is that it's completely unreasonable for patients to be like this. Which, on my like second time through this chapter for this episode, is still true, but also... Mm. It brings up the uh, perspective of what other people might see the situation as. Uh-huh. They would see, you know, the royal bastard luring a servant girl into his room uh-huh. if they hear about the situation. They would see Molly upset afterwards and make assumptions about things. Right. Obviously, Patience knows a little bit more, so draws out that story a little bit more in the wrong direction. But it also, like... At the same time, it's like patience. Like Molly's right in front of you, just kind of like ask her. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's really interesting to me um, that you read it that way, and that you still continue to read it as like an exaggeration and it's too much. Um, and maybe this is because you're a man, and like you're bringing that that lens to it. Because maybe. when I read this, I'm 100% on patience's side, and I mean. Not all men and not all women are going to read things the same way. I'm making generalizations, obviously. Yeah. But I just, whenever I read this, I like, I'm totally on Patience's side because, like you said, people can gossip. And I think, especially in a patriarchal society, that's way worse on the women. And that's like something that, like, I think even I, I mean, obviously not to this extent. I've never been lured into a bastard's room. Well, well, um, I just want to make a quick clarification. Do you mean that you're on Patience's side that this is exactly what happened or on Patience's side is like, this is what people will perceive as happened? This is what people will perceive. As okay. Because I was going to completely refute you on the other thing because this is not what happened. And that's no, what I don't think she thinks that's what's happened. She's talking as if it's a fact because that's how other people will talk about it. That's I, my view, I guess. That's the part where I'm like, I don't know if Patience would. Well, she's already she's already accused Fitz of other things in the previous conversations they've had about it. Right. So I'm just like, maybe Patience does. She does see a lot deeper, and they have more conversations later on. Right. But um, just like announcing it straight off the bat like this is like will immediately put Fitz's back up and like that's not what happened though. Right. Well So it's not like a good way to do that. I well I don't think it's a good way whether she believes that actually happened or not, regardless. I think that's just who she is and her style. She doesn't beat around the bush. She doesn't find a gentle way to start things. She just says what she thinks and expects you to be able to like tell the side if it's not true, I guess. Um but I also think that even if she does truly believe this is what happened in the moment, it could be because she thinks that Fitz is raised by Burek. And <laughs> That's true. I mean, Burek doesn't have that great of a reputation as far as being, like, not a womanizer. <laughs> so, well, before Fitz. I don't even know. I don't even think he has that reputation of being a womanizer. Well, he All does. the women thinks he's really hot, but... Right. And they they speculate on what it would be like, but everything that we've heard about him is that he's kept kept to himself. Right, but this is also when he's taking care of a kid who has to share a room with him. Right. He's trying to instill good values into, which patients would not know anything about. So maybe before that, he didn't, you know. Maybe. Or he did bring... But there's no, like, evidence of that, I, I would say. 
I guess that's fair yeah. enough. I'm. I don't know. I just think that. But I I can agree yeah. with like. Patience doesn't see the best side of Beric in any situation. So <laughs> right, rumors are enough for her. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I just I. I see it as patience. Um thinking that this is the way it went down, at least to begin with, because she conflates that beginning part of, like, a recap of what happened Mm -hmm. with at the end of that paragraph and the end of her sentence there saying, like, what you have to do now. Like, you did this. This is terrible. You have to do this. You have to do this. Like, you have to behave honorably to her and everything. It's not just a point of view. Mm -hmm. And then, like, going into it, it's like, this is what happened. You have to do this to correct it and then Fitz is like no that's not what happened and she goes into her explanation more so I feel like there's a little bit of in her mind of like Fitz knew exactly what he was doing and lured her in and everything when we know that he said go away and then Molly dragged him and threw him on his bed right yeah (laughs) but to be fair this is how other people would talk about it yeah that that was another point so I don't know I don't know. I, maybe I just like have too rosy of glasses on when I look at uh, Patience just because I love her as a character. But I think this is more coming from a place of like personal experience for her and she just doesn't want that to happen to Molly because Molly is a good person no matter who doesn't like her out there. <laughs> um, she is just kind of an innocent in all this, um, especially someone who doesn't know what court life is like. And as a a woman who has been ostracized by this same court, I'm sure she's extra sensitive. Right. To- and that's, that's what I was kind of saying, like, on my second reread through mm-hmm. today, um, that I was getting, like, this is also, like, right. because of that. Right. Um, but I still think it's tinged both ways. I guess. I just, I do want to point out that I think that it's necessary she talked to Fitz this way because I don't think Fitz thinks about it this way at all. Right. Which, I mean, is fair because he doesn't have to experience life like that and he has never been in a situation like this before. This isn't in his wheelhouse of knowledge. Um, He literally knows nothing about this. (laughs) Right. This is not the kind of court life and court intrigue he's been trained to pick up on. He doesn't Um, know anything about relationships either. He's also a 15-year-old boy. I just... But I think that's why I'm okay with patients talking this way and acting this way towards her. And like, I'm on her side fully just because Fitz doesn't understand the stakes that are here. And he can't, that it's not fair to expect him to out right away. But I think it is important to instill in him how important these stakes are to people that aren't royalty, <laughs> whether yeah. that is full blooded or not, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and Fitz tries to play that off like oh it's just like it's a simple misunderstanding between Molly and me had suddenly become a serious matter because he he still thinks of it like oh this is just you know we just can clear it up with a quick talk it's Mm -hmm. fine there isn't importance on it and he doesn't realize you know what his birth because he's been talked down to about his birth his whole life he doesn't understand the importance right of that birth and the effects on other people because of who he is right so um patience goes in and says like 
bear in mind who you are, the son of a prince, and Fitz interrupts her and quickly corrects her to the same sentiment that he's been taught all of his life, that he is just a bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Fitz. I'm Fitz Chivalry, Chivalry's bastard. And he tries to soften his tone after that because he can see a little bit of the hurt coming into her eyes mm-hmm. and says, uh, not the proper son of Prince Chivalry, my lady, only your husband's bastard. She sat on the foot of my bed and looked at me. Her hazel eyes met mine squarely and held. I saw past her giddiness and distractibility into a soul capable of more pain and vaster regret than I had ever suspected. How do you think I could ever forget that? she asked quietly. My voice died in my throat as I sought for an answer. And it's a really good reminder of two fits that there are other people in this. Like, with other emotions, and it's not just about him and Molly. Mm -hmm. And I know it's it's just a small moment, it's not, like, the focus of a lot of it, but it does show, like, what you were saying before, a Mm -hmm. lot of her motivations of, um, she does really care for Fitz, despite him being a bastard. Right. And Fitz is, like, being reminded of that. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know you are not mine, how could I ever forget that, still... I'm helping you. I love you. I'm your mom. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think that regret that he sees is her regret and not accepting him sooner? Yes. Yeah. That's what my mind immediately yeah. went to, at least. Yeah, me too. I just wanted to verify. <laughs> it, could have, it could also be a little bit of regret of not being able to produce an heir for chivalry, of not right. being able to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a lasting impact that I have no way of quantifying in in women who are barren right. or unable to bring a child to term. So there, I'm sure there's lingering pain and memories tied up with that as well. Right. And it is bittersweet. It would be bittersweet to see the child you so desperately wanted with your husband that is your husband's but with another woman. Mm-hmm. And you are over that and you don't like judge the child for that but sometimes it still stings that like oh right. yeah he's not mine and yeah that yeah. would be really hard Lacey comes back with serving women and gets some more you know tea and everything like that serving mm-hmm. women leave and uh helps stop this awkward moment from getting worse yep <laughs> um, with Fitz's ability to stick his foot even further down his throat <laughs> right exactly so uh that conversation that was happening beforehand about how a proper prince's son should handle himself picks right up where it left off. Patience kind of just skips past that moment Mm -hmm. and just takes it on. Um, And she mentions it's precisely because of who you are, that this is more than a misunderstanding. Cause if you were just, you know, the scriber's boy or a Mm -hmm. stable hand or whatever, you could do whatever you wish. You could court whoever you could marry, whoever, wouldn't really matter, but you are Fitzchivalry Farseer, and you're of the royal blood. Even a bastard, she stumbled slightly on the word, of that line must observe certain customs and practice certain discretions. Consider your position in the royal household. You must have the king's permission to marry. And she goes down a whole list here of, like, the king would then have to give his permission for you to court somebody, 
and then decide, is this woman of good bloodline? Is it a good time to wed for you? Does it benefit the throne? Will it cause a scandal? Will that process, the courting process, interfere with your other duties? And Fitz is like, what? And she also ends with, does the king wish you to have offspring? Yeah. Which is a big thing that I think really shows Fitz how little control he has of his life, which is kind of a, the theme this chapter. Right. <laughs> Fitz is in his own person, uh, or he can't be at this moment, and he doesn't even notice, I guess, or he hasn't ever taken the time to understand what it truly means to be a king's man. Right. Um, and it's just really interesting how much of a hold Shrewd truly has on his life. Oh, yeah, Definitely. And we'll go into that more with the conversation with Shade later in the chapter. Right. Um, And Fitz kind of just lies back and he's like, I never really set out to court Molly. (laughs) He's just thinking about this. From Mm -hmm. a childhood friendship, we had drifted to a deeper companionship. I had known how my heart wished it to go, but my head had never stopped to consider it. And Patience can read his face plainly here and basically goes into this whole thing of like your life belongs to another person yeah and she brings up the good point of what would you offer to molly like that's another thing not only do you have to think about your place in the royal lineage and your duties to that you need to think about the other side of that coin of what what is molly getting out of this what's left of you from your time that's dedicated and oath sworn to the king Mm-hmm. Is that what she's going to get? The scraps? A man whose duty is sworn to a king has little time for anyone else in his life. Tears stood suddenly in her eyes. Some, willin- some women are willing to take what such a man can honestly offer and content themselves with it. For others, it is not enough. Could never be enough. You must... She hesitated, and it seemed as if the words were wrung from her. You must consider that. One horse cannot bear two saddles, however much he may wish to. Her voice dwindled off on the last words. And it it really goes to show the depth of emotion that she has for this topic because it is so close to her heart. Chivalry married someone against his father's wishes and got away with it because he was the prince. He was the king-in-waiting. But as we'll come to see, talked about later with Jade, there was a cost. Yeah. And maybe that cost was what patients had to deal with. I mean, also, he abdicated well, <laughs> eventually. <right. laughs> that was not because he married for love. That right, was because right. he had a child out of wedlock. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which, either way, dumb reasons to abdicate at the I own, think, in my opinion. I think it contributed, though. Well, if he sure. hadn't married for love and had a child out of wedlock, it wouldn't have mattered because he wouldn't have cared as deeply for his wife. That's fair. I think it all just kind of stacked on top of each other. Okay, um, but this is this is something that she's obviously thought about a lot and probably had multiple conversations with chivalry about. Mm-hmm. It's you know how does how does he split the duties there? Is it just on the king? the king's side the kingdom is it for the wife that you love like what is left over for patience if chivalry has to be king and waiting and that and chivalry must have been going through a lot of the same dilemmas mm-hmm. <laughs> to quote the title i guess of the <laughs> chapter that fitz goes through later in life about you know can i even balance my life at all 
right. around what I want. Um, and it implies that chivalry wanted to give his full attention to patience and the kingdom both. He wanted to ride, you know, have two saddles on that horse or whatever. Um, he wanted, you know, both to be able to be equal, but mm-hmm. obviously that's not a way to run a kingdom. And I wonder too, um, if a little bit about this trepidation we're seeing from patients, this whole talk of there's nothing you're giving her scraps and some women can never accept that as enough i wonder if this was a problem that they were facing in their marriage probably and it became to a point where it wasn't enough and maybe fitz coming forward was the excuse chivalry needed to let go of his duty to the king so he could step away and step away and devote more time for patients to Mm -hmm. save their marriage i don't i don't know well it it wouldn't be to save the marriage because i don't think patients would ever like they i don't think they're splitting up after you're married to a king in waiting (laughs) that's fair but i think chivalry would probably be able to notice the pain and like notice the distance and Mm -hmm. and everything like that because i'm sure like because she's saying that it it can never be enough and like you can't have two saddles that Mm -hmm. even though chivalry tried he wouldn't be able to split his time equally, and I'm sure Patience was left behind a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with with that, I'm you know reading this chapter again. I completely agree with your assessment of that. Like they, he probably stepped aside because of a lot of that of those issues, and it wasn't just because of Fitz or whatever. It's, yeah, I don't know if Fitz Fitz would never understand that probably. <laughs> right, but. It's a tough thing, and it has to confront it like patience had been confronting it with chivalry for so long. Yeah. And she doesn't want to wish that on anybody else. No, and she wants to make sure that if someone else is put in that position, they know what that position means going in, I think. Yeah. Which she continues after pausing for a brief moment to talk about what Molly brings to the table Mm -hmm. and how Molly is a respectable woman and she's bringing, she's bringing a business. Like she has a trade. Yeah. Maybe not right now. Does she own anything? But in the future, for sure, just based on her talent alone, there's no way she won't own her own Chandler Chandlery. She has a full skill set to have a business. What does Fitz bring? Yeah. (laughs) She points out like, you uh, you're poor um <laughs> yeah you don't have a fixed uh, a fixed allowance from the uh-huh. king you okay. live on his largesse basically uh-huh. you were trained here you live here everything you're just allowed to stay you yeah. don't have a full scribe scribers capabilities you can't make it as a stable person yeah. <laughs> like that's not a, a well, real job <laughs> you're a good stable hand yes but that is not how you earn your bread you're a prince's bastard. You live in the keep. You're fed. You're clothed. So yeah, he can do. He could be a stable hand, but also like that would just be a stable hand somewhere, and it's not gonna yeah. sustain him or bring an equal share to the household. So what? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Like learn her trade and just do that the rest of your life? Uh huh. What are you gonna bring? And the, she points out the room. She's like, this room is roomy for you. What's two people in it gonna look like? Or do you think the king is going to let you march out of Buckkeep and live wherever you want? And in that case, how are you going to pay for it? Yeah. 
<laughs> this is very real parenting. This is very like yeah. This is you're a child. Straight knowledge. Yeah, you don't understand how the world works right now because you've never paid taxes. So <laughs> let me just drop some real. Let me real show you how stuff. to write a check real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good though because I think that is something that is like pretty quintessentially teen of oh yeah you don't yeah. have that knowledge yet you don't under really understand what it means to be on your own and it just seems based off of what little you see so easy and it'll be so nice when you're an adult and you can do it on your own and so i think it's good that he has someone in his life that is willing to point out like hey you have no work experience you're poor except for the money that your grandfather gives you that for living with him like she's being realistic and Fitz is stuck in that hopeless romantic like all we need to do is have a conversation and mm -hmm. then obviously since we both love each other we'll get married and it's fine yep and I'll just go on living my double life of being an assassin and <laughs> and you know outwardly It'll... just being the prince's bastard uh -huh. To Molly, I guess, and she'll be a servant be a or have candles and yeah. And she goes through that whole thing and then eventually says, you know, you behaved as a thoughtless boy, which is true. Yeah. <laughs> I know you meant no harm and we must see that no harm comes of it to anyone, but most especially to Molly. You've grown up amidst the gossip and intrigues of the royal court. She has not. Will, it let it, will you let it be said that she's your concubine or worse, a key poor? For long years now, Buckheap has been a man's court. Queen Desire was the queen, but she did not hold court as Queen Constance did. We have a queen at Buckheap again. Already, things are different here, as you will discover. If you truly hope to make Molly your wife, she must be brought into this court a step at a time, or she will find herself an outcast among politely nodding people. I am speaking plainly to you, Fitzchivalry, not to be cruel to you, but far better I am cruel to you now than that Molly will live a lifetime of casual cruelty. She spoke so calmly, her eyes never leaving my face. And again, I think this goes to show her experience. Mm -hmm. She was a, a noble's daughter. She had a, a vast holding, but it wasn't, you know, I don't think she's actually like nobility. Right. If she didn't, it doesn't seem like she lived in the capital, so to speak. She wasn't yeah. somebody who probably regularly visited. Was it Withy Woods? Yeah. She okay, she grew up on Withy Woods? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a little bit further away. She didn't have the normal upbringing no. of court intrigues. Well, think about the first time she met Burek. She showed him his her bare foot, like, which is very scandalous. So, <laughs> I mean, someone... Ooh, ankles. <laughs> someone who is so backwoods like that, she's like kind of a hillbilly in these people's eyes, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, would they find it hard to figure out because I'm sure in Withy Woods, nobody's backhanded complimenting you or... Right, yeah. You know... Well, and she didn't have, you know, a structured lesson plan either because she just kind of picked something up, dropped that tutor, and went on to the next thing mm -hmm. and taught herself stuff. Yeah, she had a very unique upbringing. <laughs> so I, I doubt she would stay in there long enough to, to learn social niceties. Right. And like this is how people talk or whatever. Like, she didn't have that experience, so... Well, also, I just think she doesn't do things just because that's the way they're supposed to be. Right, And oh, that yeah. seems to be I a mean, very big staple of court life, <laughs> of these noble, uh, noble ladies showing how noble they are by only doing one thing or just a few different things. And right. 
she probably wouldn't have enjoyed that and wouldn't see the point in pretending. So with all those differences, when chivalry is courting her, he has to bring her to court. Right. To the noble court, the royal court. And then she's thrust into everything and he has his duties and can't really help it. I'm sure she sees the same similarities in uh, Ketrikin as well. Right. Of just like fish out of water, stuck into the court. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't want that happen to another person, Molly, who doesn't need to happen to. Let her get accustomed to it. Let her learn her place. You know, feel out everything. Learn things. And then gradually be introduced if it's you know allowed to you fits right if you can even do that um but she says that she is teaching molly and she's being an app student and she's learning more herbs and things from molly and uh fedrin is teaching her to read and write but that's all that's happening right now that's all that can happen you cannot really be associated with her because she has to be a woman, not the bastard's woman. Yeah. She's not property. It's like, <laughs> like you can't just yeah. claim her. And this is like, it'll be fine. Right. And also, I'm sure she's hoping that with a little bit of distance, Molly will find somebody better suited for her <laughs> and, and Fitz will forget about her. Which, yeah. Well, it will not be the case, unfortunately, for everyone involved. Well, if her plan succeeded, who knows? But they do not listen to the no right. contact thing. Right. Both Fitz and Molly kind of uh, jointly ignore that. Right. <laughs> um, and Fitz is like, you know, I need to speak to her alone just once, just briefly. Then I'll promise to abide by your rules of leaving her alone. She thinks I deliberately deceived her patience. She thinks I was drunk last night. I have to explain. Patience is just shaking her head like, no. Mm-hmm. No, we've already had a sprinkling of rumors because she came here seeking you. I've crushed it. You know, it's fine. She came here seeking me because her mother was under a serving lady of like a former yeah. noblewoman here. It's fine. Like we were Heather, friends. Yeah. yeah, of Lady Heather during the time of Queen Constance's court, which is true. Um, and so she does have the right to seek me out because I was friends with Lady Heather, whatever. Mm-hmm. So patience kind of wrapped it up. You know, it's, I quelled it, we're good, don't spark anything else. Which also shows that Patience is actually more adept at court life than Fitz gives her credit for. And, I mean, she recognized that a rumor was going to be started, and she quelled that immediately. And she knew exactly what to say to make it acceptable for Molly to be there. Not only did she stop the bad rumors, she replaced it with a half-truth that mm-hmm. it's an art shade would and is impressed by. <laughs> yeah. Although he would, he says later that he would um, send, have sent Molly away rather than keep right. her in the castle. But, but um, the, uh, this depth here is, I mean, if you look at it, she's incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. She learns things super quickly and there's no way that chivalry would have been married to her or courted her without some of that knowledge being passed along. Right. Like, of those courtly intrigues, like, oh, this is what's going to happen, because Chivalry learned from Jade. Right. Like, and is getting those whispers, so he can, like, just kind of, like, oh, you see this woman over here? She's going to do this and this, because of this note passed along, and these whispers will spread, and... You think he would have cared about what the ladies are doing in the castle? It was an example. Right. But, uh... 
I mean, Shade would have. <laughs> so I guess. Yeah. So I feel like Chivalry was the perfect king and waiting prince. Mm. I feel like he would have been paying attention to everything. I uh, feel like you're associating him with Verity. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want. I want to say that I think Chivalry is blessed with dying young and having a good reputation, and his reputation clouding over any niceties about him i guess and i think he's a lot more similar to fitz than we probably know i don't know that for sure obviously because there are no first-hand accounts um but i think he's a little bit more oblivious and like fitz and this is why patience is so upset in this moment because this is so like chivalry did not even think about and maybe maybe, maybe that's just me i feel like that those are to him. different but, situations though right Oh, but I, I'm saying that I think not not between Fitz and, and chivalry, but between chivalry's knowing and like imparting some of that knowledge and chivalry being oblivious about what he's doing. I think those are different situations I'm talking about. I, I'm saying that I think he would be a little oblivious to his wife struggling in court. Maybe he would know that there was something wrong. Um, Sure, I, I can agree with that. But I think he's Fitz gets it from somewhere and it's probably the farseer side. <laughs> No, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm speaking more of like patience would have picked up on a lot of the intrigue and that through secondhand knowledge of chivalry mm. talking to her about what is happening in court. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. I thought you were I, saying no. that he was like he was gonna he's telling her what's happening in court, but then being the way Chade is to him and like suggesting she do certain things for certain no. ladies, and I'm like, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> he's no. not giving her advice. <laughs> I was giving an example of like. If they're at a dinner or something, he could, like, just offhand, like, lean over to her and say, like, hey, this this person's going to do this. Or, like, you know, see those people acting over there? Mm. It's because of these rumors and stuff. And, oh, like, just, fair enough. just have her absorb that kind of thing because she's super intelligent and she can grasp those things. And she's been around court for a long time right. and had to deal with all of the machinations that chivalry had to deal with. Yeah, that's fair. So, much more adept than many people would give her credit for in a lot of different things because she is non-traditional. Right. And the nobility of uh, the six duchies doesn't care for non-traditional people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also think there's a little bit of she's a woman, so how good... Well, which I guess maybe isn't fair because there are women fighters and women have similar roles, but I think there's still... It seems as though from what Patience is saying women are still kind of looked down on because it's so heavily met. There's just yeah. not really any women in power. And so that kind of breeds its own kind of... Uh, I think Queen Desire definitely had a, a lot of... Um a lot of fault in lowering the stance of right. women in for the sure. nobility for size. Sure. She had she created the sycophants that like fanned their faces and like just gossiped and stuff. And I think right. that perpetuated Didn't help women in general. Right. The way that Definitely. Queen Constance is, Constance is talked about it seems to be much more of like a a woman in power who was a queen. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's fair. I would love to know more about Queen Constance. Yeah. She I seemed wish... like accepting to patience and stuff, which is awesome. Yeah. I would love a little story prefits. Just anything. <laughs> literally. <laughs> please please literally Robin Hop, if you're listening. <laughs> I mean there are the the short stories, but I don't think they're based around the same court. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so she she continues to like say, you know, 
I created this, you know, I will not have a scandal. Um, I will not tempt a scandal. So Patience continues to talk about how she doesn't want any scandals at all. You will not talk to Molly. You'll be polite to her. If, like, you were to be any other serving woman, you know, just ignore her otherwise. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I don't want anything else. (laughs) And Fitz cannot accept this. He just wants one talk, he swears. Which kind of makes Patience mad. Yeah. She says, finally, like, I will not have a scandal. I will not tempt a scandal. Fitz, you have enemies at court. I will not let Molly become their victim for their aims of hurting you. There. Have I spoken plainly enough at last? She had spoken plainly, and of things I had believed her ignorant. How much did she know of my enemies? Did she think it merely social? Though that would be enough at court. I thought of Regal and his sly witticisms, and how he could turn and speak softly to his hangers-on at a feast and all would smirk to one another and add soft-voiced comments to the prince's criticism. I thought how I would have to kill him. I mean, he thought he was being very circumspect about, like, you know, his position in court of, like, oh, I people do actually, like, hate me and mm-hmm. stuff. I think... It had to come to how people hate him to make it real. Yeah. I think he, on some level, was like, well, it's just gossip. Who cares? I've dealt with it my whole life. People say mean things about me, and I'm fine. But no, he's not. Regal gossiping but, is right, different. <laughs> right. And I think then thinking about enemies on the level of not just gossip, of somebody who wants to kill him because yeah. of his line to the throne hurting Molly is like, oh oh this is a little bit more than just right we're friends and i love her and we're gonna live happily ever after this is can i be willing to put her life in danger Mm -hmm. and fitz kind of realizes that and patience realizes that fitz recognizes that now and it's like Mm -hmm. okay i think you understand we're gonna leave and fitz then understands he can't speak to molly but asks patience to bring a message like (laughs) hey Tell her not to be angry with me. I wasn't drunk. You know, never meant to deceive her or cause any harm. And (laughs) this is, you know, I talked last episode about Lacey and Fitz being one of my favorite, like, small relationships Mm -hmm. in the series. And here it is again. I will carry no such message. Nor shall you, Lacey. Don't think I didn't see that wink. (laughs) Both of you insist that you will be (laughs) decorous. Remember this, Fitz chivalry. You do not know Molly, Mistress Chandler. She does not know you. It is how it must be. Now come, Lacey. It's chivalry. I expect you to get some rest tonight. They left me. Although I tried to catch Lacey's eyes and win her alliance, she refused to glance at me. (laughs) I could just see that, like, uh, (laughs) Fitz asking, like, hey, can you bring a message saying, like, don't hate me, like, I wasn't drunk, and Patience, like, starting off, no, we can't do that, and Lacey just giving a little... Little subtle wink. A little wink, wink like, like hey, don't worry, it'll happen. I got you, bro. <laughs> Except Patience just accidentally saw it. It's like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> no, I forbid you. It's kind of like uh, a very, like the, Lacey is the dad of this relationship where the dad's like, don't worry, son, I'll break the rules for you. And the mom is like, no, you're going to follow the rules. <laughs> so I think it's very cute. Definitely, definitely very cute. But they do leave, and um, Fitz is just kind of, like, in his head now about mm-hmm. all this, these different things. And he's thinking about, you know, 
kind of anything and like contemplating in his room and like looking around and he focuses again on the tapestry that's mm-hmm. in his room. King Wisdom and the Elderlings. A more, you know, well, this is like the 20th time it's brought up ever in the series. Like mm-hmm. a lot of thought on this tapestry. <laughs> Hear about a lot of the nightmares that he used to get when he yes. was a kid. Woven in the old style, King Wisdom appeared strangely elongated, while the Elderlings bore no resemblance to any creatures I had ever seen. There was a suggestion of wings on their bulging shoulders, or perhaps that was meant to be a halo of light surrounding them. That description right there seems like it's King Wisdom and dragons and not just Elderlings. Mm -hmm. I know we kind of discussed of what depictions were Elderlings and what were dragons and how they were mixed, but describing them as creatures he had never seen before makes me think of like this is actually like dragons yeah did you get anything out of like king wisdom being strangely elongated or was that just a woven in the old style like kind of reference i'm not sure i was wondering if maybe it was just because he was sick still sick and like it was a little bit of like he's getting a little loopy maybe um but i don't know maybe Maybe the artist was trying to denote that he was part elderling or something. I'm not sure. I was really like, sure. yeah, was King yeah. Wisdom an elderling? <laughs> or maybe he's I don't just freakishly so, tall. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It could be. My, my other thought was like woven in the old style. If you think of like medieval tapestries, the art seems to be. My not mind went straight to butt trumpets with the monks. Do you oh. know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> the old style. <laughs> if if you don't know what I'm talking about, please Google the monk paintings of butt trumpets. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Chef's kiss. Maybe not at work. I don't. don't know. Well, I mean, it's not that bad, but like, it's yeah, historical. Probably yes. You know? <laughs> but uh, the proportions weren't always great in right. some of those old art pieces so i wonder if it was just like that was the old style and it was just yeah it was just strangely like taller than everything so i didn't know if that was suggesting elderling or if it was just art style or i don't know good Mm. a good catch though uh he falls asleep a little bit and is woken up to a draft because chade's door is open now and he climbs up he's uh thinking and reflecting back on how this is pretty much how it was the first time Mm -hmm. I climbed and you know he's just in a nightshirt the stairs are cold and he's it's cobwebby up here still it's very familiar because it's not clean (laughs) (laughs) the spring cleaning didn't go quite that far um and I was thinking like Robin Hobb brings attention to it here that this is pretty much how the first time was too yeah do you remember what chapter it was in the first book? I didn't go back and look. Do you think it was, you know... Chapter three? Chapter four, four of the first book? I don't know. I'm going to check, though. So it is chapter four of the first book where he goes to meet... Jade. Yeah, yeah. to meet Jade. It's called Apprenticeship, and he's wakes up with him standing over it. It's inter- that's, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. Beautiful work of art. (laughs) Very symmetrical. But as he goes up, he notices the differences between this time and the first. Um, That maybe Chade is holding the paper or scroll he's looking at a little bit further from his nose than he once had. And 
Were his spare arms more desiccated? I wonder if he had aged the months I had been away, or if I had simply not noticed before. And I think that's interesting. I think it's a little bit of both, personally. I think yeah. stress, obviously. I mean, right. Shrewd is getting sick. He's mm-hmm. probably scared for the future of also, you know, Fitz his brother. Also, Fitz almost died. It's almost died. And they didn't know if he would survive even after he almost died. Mm-hmm. Um, Verity was almost killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> their skill things. master died. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I think, interestingly, this just made this description made me wonder. Because right now, Cheda's what, in his 60s, we think? Oh, man, I'd have to look back on my, my notes about this because. We don't know. <laughs> It, it easily gets weird because he's so old at the end. He could either be like, depending on how you measure it, mm-hmm. he could either be like 110 or like 120s. Right. <laughs> well, I'm just saying this because so he's the older brother, which I always forget. I don't know why, but yeah. I always think Chade is younger. He's around for much longer. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but it's just interesting that Shrewd is suffering from what I assume to be a type of dementia. Like could be drug induced though, right? Or from the skill, yeah, or the skill weakening his mind. And sure, but it's just interesting because I mean that is ultimately what happens to Shade, and so maybe it is that. But I just think it's so interesting that it happens to Shrewd so young, because I mean, if Shade is in his sixties, Shrewd is not far behind, right? So, and that's not that old. I mean. Honestly, he's pretty young for the kind of symptoms he's feeling. And maybe, I mean, obviously I'm not that age yet, but I assume. <laughs> like we talked before, though, it, it could be Will siphoning his power away from him already. Yeah. We, do, we have to watch out for when that actually starts to happen. But we also know that he's being poisoned mm-hmm. and being kept sick at the yeah. moment. So True. That's a good point. It couldn't. It, it it's not necessarily has to be just genetics and sickness and you know nature. It could right. be accelerated. I don't know. Just interesting thoughts that came to my mind when I was like, they're not that old for sure to be <laughs> deteriorating the way he is. So he finally uh, deigns to lower the scroll and look at Fitz, because mm-hmm. <laughs> Fitz was standing there and he says some things never change. No. And uh, he asks him, he says, boy, come into the light. And he advances over there. And, Very beauty and the beast of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he remarks upon something here that um, comes true in the later, later parts of this series, this yeah. trilogy. He says, were we ambitious traitors, you and I, we would make sure folk marked your resemblance to chivalry. I could teach you to stand how he, as he stood. You already walk as he did. I could show you how to add lines to your face to make you appear older. You have most of his height. You could learn his catchphrases and the way he laughed. Slowly, we could gather power in quiet ways, with none even recognizing what they were conceding. And one day, we could step up and take power. He paused. Slowly, I shook my head. Then we both smiled. And Shade says, it's my trade, I suppose. I have to think of these things, for I know that others will. One day, sooner or later, some petty noble will believe it an original idea and approach you with it. Wait and see if I'm wrong. Or wait and see if I'm not right. I pray you are wrong. 
I've had enough of intrigues, Shade, and not fared as well at that game as I expected to. And it's true, it does happen. He's approached and asked, you know, to to lead, basically. Yeah, which is, it just goes to show how good at this Shade is. Yeah. And how his mind works. He's always thinking about what negatives could happen. But it's really, I don't know, it's... It's nice to see his mind at work. It's interesting to know how close he is to chivalry, just naturally. Um, I mean, he walks like him. (laughs) Yeah. He already said, used one of his father's phrases without knowing it, last book in the Mountain Kingdom of, I've already forgiven you. Yeah, that he picked up from patience. Yeah, (laughs) and look how that turned out. (laughs) No, no, but he did gain the trust of Rurisk. Yeah. By being more like his father, I think. So, mm-hmm. Shade's right. <laughs> Speaking of the Mountain Kingdom, um, they kind of reflect on that briefly. And, you know, Fitz had said, like I read before, that he hadn't fared as well at the game as he expected. And Shade's mm-hmm. kind of brushes it aside. It's like, well, you survived, so you didn't do too badly. Yeah. He could have said, like, he could have walked through everything because mm-hmm. he's privy to all the conversations he had with Verity. He could have walked through like, hey, you did this wrong. You should have done this instead. But Mm -hmm. he doesn't reflect on the failure at all. It's like, you survived. We move on. Things worked out okay. Which I thought is, is, you know, goes to show a little bit of his teaching ability as well. And his ability to, like, recognize what is a lost cause and move on from that. Because Mm -hmm. Fitz wouldn't benefit from going through with that. And I don't think Chade would either. Right. Because it would just be Chade showing off and Fitz being like, yeah. Obviously. I messed up. Yeah. Like <laughs> I know I messed up. But things did turn out, so it's, it's okay. But they're both left contemplating then, you know, why did things turn so sour? Why had King Shrewd revealed to Prince Regal that I was his trained assassin? Why had he put me in the position of reporting to and taking orders from a man who wished me dead? Had he traded me away to Regal to distract him from his other discontents? And if I had been a sacrificial pawn, was I still being dangled as bait and a distraction to the younger prince? I think not even Chade could have answered all of my questions. And to ask any of them would have been the blackest betrayal of what we were both sworn to be, King's Men. This really reminds me of a religion. Um, (laughs) A little bit. There are some parts of Christianity where you are not allowed to ask questions about God because that means you have zero faith. Um, you, Not all of Christianity, but some of it. And that's what Certain this is. Certain sects and yeah, things, yeah. And this is what this reminds me of, of we can't ask the negative questions about Shrewd even to each other in this place where he will never know because that's treason and that would be the worst thing we could possibly do as Kingsmen. And I think that's kind of a toxic way of thinking because Shrewd is human and ultimately he can make mistakes, obviously. So by having people like Fitz and Chade who are unwilling to talk about the shortcomings and even just to wonder to themselves what that means, I think is bad for Shrewd and I think that's kind of why Shrewd is able to be taken down the way he is because Chade is unwilling he has set this boundary of 
because Sh Shrewd is a full-blooded royal, nothing he can do is wrong, and he's always in charge, and I can never question anything. And I think it's not good, and it proves to be not good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Although I will make a comment that I don't think Chade thinks Shrewd can do no wrong. He just obeys whatever decision King Shrewd comes up with because he has to. <laughs> fair, yeah. <But laughs> he's, he, still, he's still an older half-brother. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> fair enough. But he is kind of trying to instill that in Fitz, which I find yeah. odd. Because it's when... his way of life. It's, that's, that's true. What it is. That's what they he was born to do. Is what he was trained to do. Is what he trained Fitz to do. So mm -hmm. he's got to keep that that tradition, like we were talking about. That's the way it's always been done. I just don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they can't really talk about that, but Fitz can feel that is a question hanging in the room. So they mm -hmm. kind of just move on. Past they talk about little things like uh, Fitz asks after Slink the weasel. And he haltingly offered sympathy over Nosy's death, which and they, they talked a little bit um, or asked a couple questions, I should say, about things that made Fitz aware that he was he knows everything that he told Verity, right. basically. And that that little line of, you know, offered sympathy to Nosy. Do you think it's haltingly because he doesn't know how much it meant to Fitz or he suspects that he's with it. I think we've had these conversations before, but I don't yeah. remember where we landed of does Jade know Fitz is witted? Because I, I don't think he knows knows. Right. I think he suspects that there's something weird going on, but doesn't well have anything confirmed. And usually Jade's suspicions are pretty solid. Here's my thought process. Why would a dog that has lived almost all of its life in the Mountain Kingdom, made obvious by the fact that it was a very old dog, sacrifice its life to save a boy he knew as a pup. You know? And I mean, like, sure, Fitz probably didn't say anything that was that weird, like, oh, I knew that dog as a puppy, and it saved my life, and it, like, I'm sad about it. Because would he say he that he be. saved his life? I don't know. I don't know. He... Seems to tell Verity everything, but maybe he didn't. I don't know. But yeah, how how else would he have known Nosy was dead? Did Nosy just happened to die and he brought right. that up, you know? I don't know. But it makes me feel like as somebody who isn't Fitz looking in, it's a little suspicious <laughs> that a dog that he on the surface barely knew saved his life for apparently no reason. Well, I mean, Chade has a pretty good memory as well. Right. Um, and Barely Knew is is interesting because they did literally follow each other and sleep together for months. Right, right. Like, they were not separated. <laughs> <laughs> right, but for years, they were separated. Right. And do dogs go into bathhouses randomly, regularly, and pull out people drowning. I don't know. I if don't he know. was following Fitz around like guess, he normally did, yeah. you know? That's fair enough. <laughs> I just, just feel like there's a little bit of suspicion that could be laid at that if you had a keen mind like she yeah, did. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think so yeah. too. I think he's a suspicion. Um, but he doesn't have anything confirmed. He doesn't know. But, I yeah, that haltingly offered sympathy is like, I, I guess know. I'll offer sympathy because I don't really know what this means to you, yeah. but 
I feel like it's important. Yeah. It was your dog, but not your dog at all. Right. All right. Uh, We'll pick this up in the next episode. We'll have a little bit of a break in between here. It's a very long chapter, so I know it's a little bit of an abrupt finish, but thanks for joining us.